Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. Hello again, I'm Christine Burns. Not so long ago, back at the start of the decade, any talk about trans people and the police would have been confined to tales about discrimination on both sides of the thin blue line. There were problems for trans people wanting to pursue policing as a career. There were also sometimes problems when trans members of the public had dealings with officers. Almost a decade on, there is still a big educational challenge to tackle, and mistakes do still happen. Recently, however, a new group has been set up by trans police officers themselves, with senior officer backing. The National Trans Police Association spans all 53 police forces in the UK, and their aim is to help bring about informed change from the inside. I went along recently to one of NTPA's preliminary meetings at the Sedgley Park Police Training Centre in North Manchester. There I spoke to PC Bernie Wilde, who is a diversity officer for the Greater Manchester Force. I began my inquiries with some background on Bernie himself. Bernie, how long have you been in the police force? Just on 20 years now. I joined in 1989. And how did you first get interested in the issues uh, uh, of trans policing? It was when I was I was a hate crime officer within Salford and I was going through certain issues myself within the police over the secret policeman stuff that was on the telly. And my chief inspector told me that I was going to a meeting at Sedgley Park and I heard the word tram so I was convinced that I was going to be put on the Metrolink system. <laughs> so I went to this meeting not very happy. And when I went into the meeting, someone was talking about an operation. And I just shouted out loud, well, they shouldn't have stood off the tram, should they? Because I thought they got run over. And that was my first introduction. And I realised <laughs> it was a gender reassignment surgery. And of course, that sort of triggered. And I... I realised after being in the police for 15 years, there were communities that I would even know existed. Mm-hmm. And as a police officer, we're supposed to be involved in communities. So I then met Jenny Ann Bishop, mm-hmm. who invited me to one of the meetings, which was the MCC meeting, which is now Transforum. She said, would come along. And I've never spoken to anyone, normally more than three or four people, and had 30 ladies in the room. And being typical Bobby, so to speak, I comes in, the first things I say is, Evening, gents, and then realised, oh no, what have I just done? And then just, the, I wish the floor opened up, and everyone started laughing. They knew I'd not meant anything by it, and obviously I was so new to it. And from then, I'd just gone to all the meetings and gone to Manchester Concord, Northern Concord, got involved with Sparkle events, and it just built up more and more communications with the communities. And I just feel it's a, a bridge, an act as a bridge, so to speak, between the police and the community. Someone uh, we call it in the, a specific point of contact in the police, a Spock, they call it. I didn't give it that name. And I just feel that like I'm that, that point of contact. If somebody has any issues about anything, they can come to me and say, Bernie, can you help us? And I'll try my help. Now, the event you've got going here today at the, the, the Sedgley Park Training Centre is, is, I mean, I've, I've seen that there's quite a few trans officers here. How many trans officers are there overall in, in the police forces in the UK? It, that's a very difficult number. To, I think everyone's after these figures. Mm. We get loads of inquiries from all departments, all police forces. We have a, a website that we, we ask people to log into. Um, the only criteria we ask for on the website is they have what we call a PNN address, which is a, a secure police 
email address so we know they're within police forces. Mm-hmm. Although we do have other people on here, but to actually register, and we have over 80 members on the web address, and we know that's not the full extent. There'll be a lot more members out there, a lot more people out there that would like to encourage to join from other forces. Mm-hmm. And there are about 50 forces in the UK, aren't there? 53 at my last count, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> so even on the basis of, of, of an average, that, that means it's at least one trans officer probably in, in, each, in each police force. I'd say a lot more. I really would. I'd be going at least 10, 20 in each force. The way I, I, I you know, with the communities and people I met, I have met officers who have not come into the National Trans Police Association and have met them when they've been to places like Sparkle and other events in Manchester. And the term police officer um, and can just say hello, can I know about you? And but they will not, they don't want to, what's the word? I'd not say afraid, but they, they're reluctant to sort of tell everybody mm-hmm. for, for reasons which. I think it may be this, this fear instilled in people that, that if they admit they were trans then they something would happen that they may not get promotion, which is, mm. I think, it, it, it should never even exist, that type of attitude, but unfortunately it does. So you're talking in those circumstances, either people who haven't started to transition or people who perhaps have transitioned and their, their employers are simply not aware of it. It's not just about transition, I think. I always remember, I can't remember the lady's name, but it's a book called Evolution's Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it goes on about the whole range of gender from A to B. That's, to that's B. E- Evolution's Rainbow by Professor Joan Ruffgott. That's the one. And that was the first time I'd heard about this. And I think the whole spectrum, as she kept saying about this rainbow, and transitioning, I think it's not just about people who transition, but people who will come under the, 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 the spectrum of transgender or trans mm-hmm. as well. That's also the people we need to try and help and, you know, give guidance to not only members of the community, but bosses in the job and on the forces, really. Okay. Because, as, as with many other public services, there's, there's two sides to this coin. There's a, there's a workforce side, making sure you're a good employer, but also there's the side where you actually face and, and serve the public as well. Yes, it is. And I think if, if we have communities and we have officers who are from communities, that interaction between the police and communities is a lot easier because there's no barriers because the communities or the problems communities have, the officers have gone through themselves and they've gone through the pressures and they've gone through all the problems associated with someone who's transitioning. So they can associate or and they can feel what the community's feeling and they can feel when the community's hurt because they've been hurt in the past as well. What, what have been the objectives then in setting up this, this National Trans Police Association? When we, when, we, when we set it up, it was uh, Mike Cunningham, who's the Assistant Chief Constable for Lancashire, he notified some of my colleagues within the, the association and we all got together and we were looking at really almost three things really. One is help officers, not just police officers, but police staff within all the forces. And it's not just England, Wales and Northern Ireland, it was incorporated Scotland as well. And other, other forces, um, British Nuclear Police, uh, British Transport Police, and obviously these are the police force we're trying to get involved with as well, is to help um, the police service understand the issues when someone is transitioning. Mm-hmm. Also act as a link between police and the community and offer guidance to the police in regards to trans issues and the community with issues the communities may have and why communities act in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Because this, this is something that all police forces have to do as part of their, their statutory duties under the, the gender equality duty. 
Yeah, and it's 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 an area that has never been what I'm looking for. Never been sort of looked into before. And I always had the feeling it was always, oh, we've got to tick this box, or we've got to tick mm. that box. And once we've ticked the box, we're okay. With, and it shouldn't. I don't think it should be like that. It should be, we're we're a police, or I'm a police officer, and my we have to police the communities, and we're there for the communities. The communities aren't there for us. Mm. We have to help the communities. And I think sometimes we've lost that little bit of community knowledge and community spirit, and we need to get it back. Okay. I mean, what what are some of the issues? And maybe if we just break that down first into thinking about, say, the the workforce issues of of employing and retaining uh, trans police officers, and then we'll go on to look at the the, the policing issues of, of dealing with members of the public who, I suppose, might be that they could be members of home watch schemes. They could they could be reporting crimes. They could be the victims mm. of crimes, or yeah. You know, Heaven forbid they could be the perpetrators of crimes as well, or maybe stopped for speeding or or other minor offences. So, I mean, what are the what are the challenges, for instance, in 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 a police officer attempting to to transition on the job? I think the only real challenge now, especially obviously, I can't speak about the forces, but I can speak about Greater Manchester, Mm -hmm. is the actual approaching the supervisors to say, "I need to speak to you," and then explaining what's going on. Most of the HR human resources departments now, in fact, all of them in Manchester, have all been given training in regards to someone who wants to transition mm-hmm. and the practices that should and need to be put in place to protect that officer or member of the staff while they're in the very first stages, which is the most vulnerable stages mm-hmm. of transition. Sometimes it may mean that that person being moved from where they're working to a secure area within the police where they can work until they go through the first phases. Mm-hmm. And it's not a case of moving someone out of sight because they're changing it's a case of we need to protect that person mm-hmm. from outside influences maybe the press or maybe other other agencies that may be interested in it so we, we, we put like a bubble to start or a cocoon around the person so we can protect them mm-hmm. have there been a lot of examples from which you can learn and make sure that the the, the procedures you've got are now working there have been in the past there have been certain issues with other forces obviously I don't want to say who they are but with regards to where an officer one of the officers actually is one of our exec committee members started to transition and the press were allowed to find out mm-hmm. and they, they hounded her outside a workplace outside a home and it was horrendous since that in, uh, policies have been in place to say this must never happen again mm-hmm. the, you know this it's not for us to tell people it's for that person or that individual when they want to tell people that's when you can do it okay and and if one somebody is a is a trans police officer what what are the sort of challenges of actually doing the job with all the officers i've met there isn't any really there's none um people 99 percent of people from communities are very interested Mm. and they, they always ask questions. They will always say, oh, oh what, what does that mean? Or what does this mean? And they're never very, they're not nasty. You always get members of society that mm. will be nasty to a police officer, whether you're transitioning or not. It is. But majority are not, and they're very inquisitive. And they find it an amazing subject and topic. And when the officers start talking about it, they, they'll sit there for half an hour. So in, in a way, as, as far as you're saying, it, it sort of helps to break down barriers between the police force and the community. Oh, most definitely does. It, it certainly does break down barriers. Um, and once the barriers are broke down, then th- there's that communication again with the community and the police. Mm-hmm. So are police forces becoming quite eager now to, to recruit trans people? Most definitely, most definitely. I know last year at Sparkle, 
there were several forces that actually took the recruitment vans or what they call pods, we call them pods, little vans open up the side with recruitment solely for the purpose of targeting at Sparkle events, which is the International Trans event. So yes, uh, there's, there's no, within police force now, there's no difference to anybody whether you're, whatever community you're from, your race, religion, your gender. We look for people because we know people are good at either talking to people and, and make good police officers or police staff. So your gender is not an issue. And what, what about the other side in terms of the police force as a whole dealing with a public which includes uh, trans, trans members of the public? There's training now ongoing all the time to police officers. I myself give training to young recruits regards to, I just call it issues trans, mm-hmm. and it, it explains... Not fully, because obviously, because the whole is, is quite an in-depth subject. But about someone who may be transitioning and how those people should be respected. And I always say, always treat someone how you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, you're not talking to a figure in front of you; you're talking to a victim or someone who wants help. Mm-hmm. So their appearance matters not. It is the victim, and it's the person you're helping. That's all. So if someone comes up to you, say, um, dressed as Danny LaRue, you know, I'm just giving a wild example. That person wants help. You're not going to sit there and ridicule that person because they want to dress like Danny LaRue. It's not right. You're helping the victim. And all officers now, with, with diversity training, this is brought into it. And I know within, within Greater Manchester Police, you actually have uh, what we call LBGT, liaison officers, lesbian by gay trans police officers, we got that way around, and they do it's a two day training course. Mm-hmm. So, and part of it, the first day is LGB, and then a whole day, the next day, spent on dealing with trans issues. So it's quite a lot of time. And I was focusing on on this this issue within communities and hate crimes involved in it, victims of crime, and everything. It all explains to officers the whole issues. What about uh, trans people themselves who you know, perhaps grown up in, in you know, times when you know, perhaps the police weren't as friendly um, and, and might therefore feel a bit uh, apprehensive about reporting a crime, perhaps somebody's stolen their bag or somebody's broken into their house or beaten them up or whatever. You know, what can you offer to them in terms of you know, overcoming any fears they've got about approaching the police for help? There should be no issues anymore. If there is an ever an issue or anybody's ever treated any differently from anybody else, there is a complaint process now. And I would ask that if that does happen, to make a complaint. And that can either be done by phoning up the police on 8725050 and saying, I want to speak to an inspector to make a complaint, or going on to, to the website to make a formal complaint. And the complaint system's not done by the police anyway. It's the independent police complaints committee that do it so it's independent from us and if that's happening those those officers who are doing that really need to either be removed from the streets or the office removed from the force or it may be a case they need to be retrained but please do if anything like that does happen please do make a complaint and and if if people felt perhaps a little bit nervous or shy about going into a police station and reporting a crime is is there a you know somebody they can ask for who they can feel is more likely to be very well trained in terms of understanding their problems? 
Oh, there is. I'm scared of going into a police station. I'm a police <laughs> officer when I'm going to have to hand license on like that, the desk. Oh, uh, yeah. If, if you don't want to go into a police station, there are, there are numerous methods now we use. One of the ones we've, we've put in place now is called third party reporting form. Now, you can access this form on the website again. If you go on to, if you just type in the web address bar, uh, Greater Manchester Fleet Hate Crime, it'll come up straight away for the web page. Mm-hmm. Another one is a third party, it, which is called True Vision, mm-hmm. and that is that that is uh, nationwide. You can actually phone up the police again and ask to speak to the community engagement officer. Now, the community engagement officer is not a police officer. They are employed by the police to liaise with the communities, mm-hmm. but they will come and assist you and help you out. And, that, and if you're feeling really brave, like I never do, is you can go into a police station if you want to and fill the forms in. But I do ask people to go into police stations because not only have, have we gotten um, used to the trans community, but mm-hmm. trans community has to get used to us. It's like a two-way thing. So there may be an officer who may never met anyone from the trans community before who's working at the station. And you go in to report a, a crime. Now that person, that officer then, has come in contact with part of the community. Mm-hmm. And that way it breaks down those little barriers again. And the person coming in probably just as scared and the officer when he comes out was probably just as scared as well because they don't want to make any mistakes if they're junior officers and that so everyone will be and once that barrier is broken down you'll never be scared to go into a police station again to make a report or phone the police so do go into a police station um last question then what's the best thing about being a copper oh it's a difficult one this may sound really really that just helping people helping communities help it's like almost being like sort of when I, when I first started up I was thought I'd be going to be this big hero flying like Superman in the cape and all that and it, 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 it is like that when you help people it, there's nothing better than, than the feeling that you've helped someone and you don't do it for reward you don't do it for anything it's because you want to do it and you change people's lives as well and that, that really helps as well maybe you save someone's life without realising that maybe you've just helped them not go down that rocky road of being a criminal or something like that or just Talking to people as well. I love, I never stop talking. I always talk to Evan and Evan and Day. I love just talking to people as well. PC Bernie Clifton there, a diversity officer from Greater Manchester Police, and he was talking about the National Trans Police Association, NTPA. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 59 of Just Plain Sense. If you'd like to hear more programmes about all aspects of equality and diversity, then visit the website. That's podcast.plain-sense.com. And there'll be another episode soon. Just Plain Sense now also has a YouTube video channel and a complimentary blog as well. The addresses for those are on the website. For now though, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is the Plain Sense Limited production. (laughs) 